You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yes, Mariner's Pod is back. Thanks for being here. It's number 800 today. And some of you have been here for all or nearly all of 800. So congratulations to you. And to celebrate, we have a fun number 800 today. We will have Kyle Glazer from Baseball America. He has been a guest from time to time on the pod. This time it was in person when we were in Anaheim. Also, Paul Sewald, very great conversation with Shannon Dreher comes up in a few minutes. And we are going to talk about... The game yesterday, as the Mariners got the win over Anaheim, much-needed victory, and then the M's start a series against Oakland today. A very big week for the Mariners. As we take a look at where things stand, the Mariners right now holding the third wild card, 81-65, and 65, a half game behind Tampa Bay for the second slot, and a game and a half behind Toronto for the number one spot. And why this is such a big week, Mariners will play the Oakland A's, Starting tonight for three games, Oakland 53-94 and on the season. The second worst record in baseball behind Washington and the worst record in the American League. And then on to Kansas City, 58-89, and the third worst record in the American League. At the same time, the Blue Jays will go to Philadelphia for two. Philadelphia right now holding down the third wildcard spot as the Padres jumped over them with a three-game winning streak. Philly has lost four in a row. And then this weekend, Toronto will take on Tampa Bay in a four-game series. Tampa Bay started a series, a three-gamer with Houston last night, lost game one, so two more against the Astros. So a really difficult week for both the Blue Jays and the Rays. Big opportunity for the Mariners this week, even with the injuries, of course. We all know what's going on with Julio's been out the last few days, Suarez to the IL, Cal Raleigh out as well. Hopefully we'll see Julio back in the lineup tonight. That would certainly really help. In terms of yesterday, as the Mariners had lost the first three games of the series to Anaheim, Mariners got a great start from Logan Gilbert as he set his career high in punch outs and then Added to it. Swing and a miss for strike three. And there it is. Strikeout number 10. And that is a career high for Logan Gilbert this afternoon through five innings of play. He strikes out Sierra for strikeout number 10. What an afternoon for Logan Gilbert. His highest strikeout total in his very young and very outstanding major league career. Ten strikeouts on the day. Gilbert from the stretch. Stares in. The 2-2. Swing and a miss. He got him. A four-seamer that he zips right on past Thice. Walter has been here all day, and he has been mean. Strikeout number 11 for Logan Gilbert. A career high. And he sits down the Angels again. Only one run allowed in six innings. A dynamite day for Logan Gilbert. And here's what Logan said after the game. Logan. My friends just said that you were the little brother that no one wanted that sounds like Ty. Yeah, um, we go back and forth. I sometimes think we've gotten closer, but then he says stuff like that. So I don't know. I don't know where I stand. Logan, pitch count has been 
maybe not an issue, but it's it's cropped up early in starts for you early this year. When you go 12 pitches against Otani. Are you thinking about that at all, and how do you kind of just, like, navigate through that? I uh, wasn't really thinking about it too much. I did notice it was really long at bat, and after that you want to just make sure you're attacking, but that's the game plan from the beginning. Just try not to have too many long at bats. To go against the reigning MVP and to win that battle, what was that like for you? Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. It was fun at bat. Um, he was seen it well, fouled off some good pitches, and really just came down to making a pitch, executing the one I needed to at the end. We've talked so much about your slider this season and, you know, just where it's at. What was that, What was it like for you out there today? Uh, it felt pretty good. Uh, it's coming along to where I want it. There's always improvements on everything to be made, but I think the work we did this week was uh, really good and helped me out, especially just getting it in the zone when I needed to. Is it as far as velocity and shape goes, that where it is right now where you want it to be? Um, Shape-wise, yes. Um, I'd like to throw it couple ticks harder uh, I, well I did during this game but um, sometimes it crept down a little too low so um, just the consistency on it you haven't gotten to 11 strikeouts even at the minor league level have you uh, I don't think so yeah. I think that was his top yeah what does that mean to you to, to hit that mark that's a big number yeah yeah it felt pretty good um, it's nice I, I think it just means your pitches are working and you're getting in good counts all that kind of stuff which is uh, the priority all the time so uh, it's not all about the strikeouts, but it's nice to see. Daniel was asking you about the 12-pitch at-bat to Otani. You strike him out in the next at-bat. Sometimes, you know, seeing all your pitches helps the hitter. It seemed like almost it had him thinking and helped you. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, it goes both ways, so I think that's how it worked today, so that was a good thing for me. And then, you know, the third at-bat, he just jumped on it right away. So um, it was a fun battle just the whole day going against him. Yeah, it's always nice to win. Um, every time I go out, that's my job. That's what I try to do, regardless of what has happened the days before. Um, but I think this team's in a really good place. We're not really putting pressure on ourselves. We're just having fun playing loose and it's nice to have the win. Is that something you can take forward, or do you have to maybe have it in your mind that these games are getting bigger and will get bigger? Is that something you compare to your Oh, yeah. I mean, I think you hear a little bit from the outside and maybe when you're not actually playing, it seems like that. But, I, I mean, I speak for myself. But when I go out there, I don't treat it like anything different. It's just, you know, we're playing the game we love, trying to have fun and um, trying to win. That's the main thing. So just keeping it simple. Look, the elevated fastball works good all the time. What does it make? Why does it work so good against lefty hitters? It seemed like that was really effective against them. Um, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> it works well. I, I don't know all the reasons behind it, but I think when you just get it to that, it's just getting to the good spot. You don't want to go too high. You obviously, don't want to leave it in the zone. But when I have days where I'm getting it to the top rail consistently, it really helps out. So it doesn't matter then, right or left. If you get it there, it's always good. Um, usually both sides. I mean. Like you said, I feel like probably lefties a, a little bit more, if anything, but um, maybe it's just more natural for me that way. What's been the biggest key for you the last six, seven starts? I think your ERA is d- down to around two in that span. Um, I think just consistency of my pitches. Uh, off speed's feeling pretty good, making some you know minor adjustments when I need to. But um, I, I always get back to just trying to get in good counts and winning first pitch strikes. That's the main thing for me. What's Carlos Santana's presence been like for your clubhouse? It's awesome. Just veteran guy. He's been around forever. Um, one of the guys you want on your side, want on your team. He brings a ton of energy and 
obviously what he did today was amazing. It's a huge help for us and really spark plug to get us going. It's one thing to be a guy that you can lean on, but to really step up and deliver in those moments today. Two huge moments. Yeah, definitely. Much easier to make your job. Yeah, oh, definitely. It helps me out a ton. I think that just says a lot about him. He just plays calm and loose, and, you know, he's been around for so long. That experience, I think, really shows itself. So it's nice to have him on our side. Career high, 21 swings and misses to go with 11 strikeouts, a career high as well. Just a much-needed great day for the Mariners as they went wild offensively as well with the long ball. Ty France, three-run home run. Weiss set. He delivers to Ty. Swung on, smoked to center field, hammered. Sierra back at the track, looking up. Fly ball, fly, gone. What a day for Ty France. Three-run blast. And the Mariners have added to the lead. It is 8-1. They've opened it up here in the seventh inning. Home run number 20 on the year for Ty France. That has got to feel great for Ty. And how about Carlos Santana going yard from both sides of the plate, including a grand slam. The look in by Suarez. And now the 3-1 on the way to Santana. Swing and a drive. Deep to left field. Moniak going back, looking up. And Grandma get out the right bread and mustard. It is grand salami time. He did it. Carlos Santana. A grand slam here in the top of the fifth inning. Santana, 13 home runs now for the Mariners in 63 games, providing some punch they really needed. And now we'll see what the Mariners can do against Oakland starting tonight. You love how the pitching lines up. Luis Castillo in game one, Robbie Ray in game two, George Kirby in game three, and the A's a team that has really struggled offensively. So even with... Uh, They're missing pieces offensively. The Mariners certainly have a chance to pitch their way to victories here down the stretch and pitch their way to the first wild card spot. And we'll see what happens with the Blue Jays starting tonight and Tampa Bay for that matter as well. So a lot to happen this week. We'll come at you with some more podcasts to break down the A's and everything else going on in this series and, of course, this weekend in Kansas City. So this will be a very fun week. Stay with us. Thanks for being here for number 800. And right now we'll turn things over to our conversation with Kyle Glazer in person this time. Special guest from Baseball America, Kyle Glazer. And, Kyle, it was great to run into you. And I, I, you know, I'm going to lean on your years of expertise. What's the first thing that comes to mind? When the Mariners are in front of you, when you see Mariners, what is the first thing? I mean, I still think back to uh, my childhood growing up, the 90s. I immediately go back to uh, Ken Griffey Jr. just dominating, uh, especially the Angels. I grew up here in Southern California. Um, but I, I remember watching all those great Mariners teams. And now it's really cool to see, you know, this group kind of bringing the same energy back, you know, potentially getting this team to the postseason for the first time since 2001. And you just see, I, I just remember again, Growing up, seeing you know, Edgar and Griffey and Jay Buhner, there was an energy and excitement to those teams. You see a lot of parallels with this team, just that the energy level, and it, it's really cool to see. Kyle, there's a great debate going on because two guys are having tremendous years. They're having MVP seasons. Aaron Judge leading the world in pretty much every offensive category. A chance for a triple crown if he gets hot and Luis Arise, you know, slows down a little bit. Shohei Otani has been amazing as a pitcher and a hitter ever since he showed up from Japan. No pun intended, but how do you judge Otani when it comes to an MVP when a guy like Judge 
is having such a historical year? Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, what Shohei Otani is doing is unprecedented. That was true last year. It's true again this year. Um, but I do look at Aaron Judge, and uh, he leads the majors, I believe, now in some, like, seven categories. He's up there. And what he's doing, really carrying this Yankees offense on his back, because there's a lot of big names in that offense, but they've been slumping for a while. They've had a lot of injuries. I mean, he is having a, a potentially historic season. He's approaching uh, Roger Maris's AL home run record. And he's doing it all while shifting over to play center field, too. I think that's something that's gotten lost a little bit. Um, teams are not pitching to him. I, I mentioned earlier uh, with talking with you guys, there was a game here in Anaheim the night he hit 50. He had he saw one pitch in the strike zone, and he hit it 434 feet onto the rock pile in center field. Um, I, I do think Aaron Judge is the MVP at this point, and that's not to discredit anything Shohei Otani has done, but I, I do think the level of, uh, of performance we're seeing from Judge, especially, again, playing center field, to me, I, I give him the nod personally. Kyle, this is so exciting. You've been a guest on our show so many times, uh, whether it's been a winter show or pregame show. This is the first time in person, though, so this is very exciting for us. It's great to see you here. And the Mariners, of course, fighting it out with Toronto and Tampa Bay, trying to get that top wildcard spot. How do you view where the Mariners are in the mix with those two other teams? Yeah, I mean, obviously they're bunched very, very tightly together, and you feel pretty good about the Mariners making the postseason. They come in today with a five-game edge over Baltimore for that final wild-card spot. I mean, look, the Mariners control their own destiny, and that's all you can ask for at this point in the season. I do believe they are every bit as talented as Toronto, and I do think they are even more talented than Tampa Bay. Um, obviously the offense has, you know, not been as strong as you want to see at times this year regarding the Mariners. Uh, they, they come in today 21st in the majors and runs scored, which is kind of remarkable given some of the names in the lineup. But I do think they can compete with, with really both those teams as, as well as Cleveland. You know, whoever they end up facing in the wild card round, assuming they get in, and I believe they will, um, they match up as well as anyone in, in, of those four teams who are probably going to see in the wild card round with the Astros and Yankees pretty much assured to get those first two buys. I'm interested to get your thoughts on the rule changes that are coming up. I'm sure you've seen some of them in action. You know oh, how yeah. that has worked, <laughs> how that's going to impact not just the big leagues, but, I mean, how players are scouted now. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. They uh, put the pitch clock in uh, the California League last year, and being out here in Southern California, I got to see it up close firsthand. And I was curious and skeptical at first, but I actually really grew to like it. Um, the pace of play is just so much better. It's really common to see games that are 224, 228, even 240, and it's just a quicker pace, and I do think for the long-term health of the game, that's a good thing. And even the disaster games are finishing under three hours. I was at a game a few weeks ago involving Rancho Cucamonga and Modesto, the Mariners affiliate. It was a 12-8 game, so there were 20 runs scored. There were eight hit batters, four, four errors, 17 hits, two wild pitches, and a balk, 256. Um, you know, all that. All that. Normally those games go 345, so... Um, I, I am in favor of the pitch clock, and one of the things that's interesting is a lot of the players and coaches and scouts who, you know, some of the, the old-timer, you know, manager and scouts who are in the late 60s, played, you know, in the 70s, and can be a little cranky at times, even they like it. They've come around to it because they understand it just makes for such a better pace, better flow. So I do think we will see the pitch clocks have a significant effect um, on Major League Baseball once they come in next year. You know, the shift is interesting because if you look at the data in the minor leagues, it didn't actually really do a whole lot to improve batting average on balls in play. Um, batted ball outcomes remained the same because it kind of evened out a little bit, hits that were taken away, hits that were um, you know, falling in with and without the shift. So there's not as much shifting in the minor leagues as there is in the majors, so that's where maybe it might have more of an effect. But I don't think it's going to be the, the panacea to offensive woes a lot of people think it will be. 
Um, and then the larger bases, you're honestly not going to notice it. You know, fewer collisions around the bag, you know, fewer injuries. That's a good thing. That's, that's a very minor one. There's a reason that was the one that everyone was on board with and was unanimous in voting for. And the automated ball strike system, uh, how accurate is it? Uh, how good is the technology? And when do you think that's going to show up, if, if at all? Yeah, so the short answer is it's not very good. Uh, the technology, it, it's, there's a lot of, you know, problems there's a lot of kinks um it hasn't been good last year they tried it out in uh what's the florida state league and they had to change how they define the strike zone mid-season because not enough balls or pitches were being called strikes um and it was just creating four-hour games so what we've seen this year happen in the minors and what i think we're actually going to see um at least the momentum is toward is not a full you know hey every bitch pitch is being called by um, the automatic ball strike system you're going to have a challenge system. So what we've seen put in place in the minors this year is the umpire is still calling balls and strikes, but the ABS is kind of monitoring it. And if a manager wants to challenge a ball strike call, he can challenge it. They review it real quick. It's 10 seconds or less, and they can either confirm or overturn it and, you know, make sure the pitch is called right. That's what we're going to see, the full ABS automated ball strike system where all, you know, every pitch of the game is called by that. The technology is just not good. And, they're moving away from that. I think what we're going to see is the challenge system put in place, whether that's 2024 or 2025. I think it's coming, and it'll be soon. It won't be next year, but I could see it two or three years from now. Of course, at Baseball America, you've been talking about Julio for a long time, right? And here he is. He has burst onto the scene. He's had this incredible first year in the majors. What's been your view of what you've seen from Julio after following his progression through the system? Yeah, I mean, talking to scouts and, and opposing managers when he was, you know, in Modesto and high A, it was clear this guy was going to be a superstar. Covering him uh, in the qualifier for the Olympics with the Dominican team in Florida last year, you saw him blossoming even more. Um, so it's not a surprise that he's, you know, again, approaching 30 30. I, I think where the surprise is, he's doing it playing center field. Um, for the longest time, it says, hey, he's, he was always a good athlete. He moved well, above average runner, but he was a bigger guy. You figured there'd be other players who were just, you know, were a little faster, a little more agile in center field. And he came in this year faster than ever. Um, he, he was always a you know, great guy in terms of his fitness, but his body composition was even better. And now he's you know, covering ground. We never saw him covering the minors. He's gotten even better out there. So you take a guy who you knew was going to be a potential 20, 20, 30, 30 threat every year. Now you add center field defense to it. Um, it's just remarkable. It's a testament to how physically talented he is, but also how much he has, you know, a good head on his shoulders. He's putting in the work. He's, he's not afraid of a challenge, and he embraces it. And that's what makes him so great. It's the physical ability, but also the makeup and the mentality he has. We are visiting with Baseball America's Kyle Glazer, and we've just got a couple minutes left. So this will be the last one, but it's a big one. Uh, Mariners, made, you know, they drew a line in the sand six years ago with this organization, brought in Jerry DePoto, Scott Service, brought in Andy McKay. Health of the farm system, what have they done in the last six years? Where are they right now? Yeah, I think the two biggest changes I saw this regime from the previous regime was they did a much better job of emphasizing you know, strikes on discipline. That was a big thing for them. I remember covering the previous regime and in a lot of free swingers, and, and that created some problems once guys got up to the majors, and we saw that. They did a really good job emphasizing that. And, and, and secondly, I, they did a much better job not rushing guys, you know, really letting guys marinate. I say that. They brought up Julio after 46 games at double A. <laughs> but, but, but there's all, you know, he's the exception. exception and, and, yeah. and, and Kirby, you know, came up you know, straight from double A. But he had a, a good number of starts there. 
Um, I just remember, you know, before um, the previous regime, you'd see guys getting called up who very clearly were not ready. When they promoted Nick Franklin out of high A, he visibly wasn't ready for that. Um, you know, Brad Miller, Chris Taylor, stuff like that. So I think this group has done a better job of letting players kind of earn their promotions and prove they're ready to go. That just makes them more prepared for each level and ultimately the major leagues. All right. Well, let us know when you're in Seattle yes. next time, yeah. okay? It's good to have you in person, and we absolutely will bug you during the offseason as well. Anytime. Happy to come on with you guys whenever you need. <laughs> Thanks, Kyle. And here is Shannon with Paul Seawald. Paul, good to catch up with you in Anaheim when it's not 110 degrees in this oven that is known as the dugout here. Gets a little warm for those day games. A um, little hot. We noticed uh, last year their bullpen was was watering the turf in front of their little bullpen area, and I said that's probably a pretty good indication we need to water the turf in front of us. Um, gets a little steaming during the day games. No question about it. we got two of those coming up, but uh, a lot better at this time of the year. And what's also really good at this time of the year is if you are in it, and you guys are so far in it right now, what's it like to go to the ballpark every day? It's fun. It's fun to go to the park when you know when you feel like you're probably going to win every game. It's it's a lot of fun, and we enjoy. Everyone on the team enjoys each other. We have pretty good team camaraderie. Um, have a lot of fun when we win. You know, we're dancing. We're you know doing our celebrations after the game. So it's a lot of fun to come to the park these days. We've seen different turning points throughout the year with different groups, and with the bullpen, it was pretty dramatic. And some it was some new faces, and others it was some faces that were in there that started doing things a little bit differently. How do you pinpoint when this bullpen turned into the best bullpen in baseball? It's hard to pick a day or a game or maybe a series that we really have turned into that best pen in baseball. I think, like you said, there's been some familiar faces from last year. There's been some new faces from last from this year. We've had some guys that have switched to the pen that have really that have really turned it on. Um, I just feel like we've just, you know, gone to work every single day, wanting to get a little bit better, trying to throw more OO strikes and one-one strikes, and that's the name of the game, and we've done a really good job of that all year, and I think that's why we've been one of the best pens in baseball. And you throw that out there, and it sounds so simple, but that is a philosophy that, uh, you know, why wouldn't you do that? Well, there are barriers to that, and yeah. a lot of the guys point to you as the one who leads the charge. This is the philosophy. You believe in it. Kind of explain to how you get there. Yeah, it, it does. It sounds elementary to throw strikes, but when you look at it, all the best teams throw the most strikes. So that's what we—that's what they've preached since the second I got here. Um, and I—I I, I saw it come to fruition that a bunch of guys who have not been stellar relievers have become stellar relievers. They've started to throw more strikes. So I just—I'm just trying to embrace that and trying to explain to everybody that everyone in in our band has amazing stuff. So when you have really good stuff, the key is just to throw it for strikes. Now. That's that's part of Jerry and everyone's job to get the best pitchers that you can possibly get with the best stuff. But it's our job to make sure that we go out there and throw strikes. And I just think it's this mini competition between all of us who can do even better than the guy next to him. Um, and we have we have quite the standard down there. So I think I think just everyone's just embraced it and gone and throw strikes. I think one of the guys was talking about checking the reports every day that you guys all hold each other accountable to that. What are you guys looking at? Yeah, we have, you know, before our, before our meetings, before every series, it's, com- it's a combination of, you know, look at how nasty your stuff is and then how well did you throw strikes and how are you comparing to the rest of the league. So um, every three or four days you get you get judged on how you're doing and, and generally how you've done all through the season. So um, it's a little report card before every series to not to not to say, hey, we didn't throw enough strikes this series. Like, you know, you guys were terrible. It's just like, hey, we can, we can always be a little bit better. Until we're number one in that, you know, we're not going to get complacent. You come into this year after a fantastic year last year, and there were discoveries. And when you start the year, what are you looking at, and what kind of adjustments do you make? You know, I was just trying, just trying to do everything I was doing last year. I just tried to do. I just tried to throw fastballs at the top better and spin sliders 
better. I didn't try to learn a new pitch or try to come up with a new philosophy. I just tried to do what I do really well, even better and more consistently. I think that's the most important thing. We talk about, you know, it's really cool to add a new pitch. Some of our starters have added a new pitch, and it's very fun to, to watch and pretty impressive. Um, but for the most part, I think just getting better at what we do really well is the best way to continue to get better. Who's got the best slider in the bullpen? I, I You know, there's quite a few guys that have pretty good ones. Um, I always argue that mine's the best, right? Isn't that, isn't that the way I should do this? Um, I think I think maybe I've shown them how it's you're supposed to throw a slider, and then maybe some guys have thrown it harder, maybe a little bit better, but I feel like I had the first one, so I'll say mine. <laughs> the, the GOT of the sliders. Yes, I, I would just say that, you know, I was the first one out there with a good one, so I'll say mine's the best. Uh, who have you been most proud of and that you've seen kind of come in and just, oh, wow, <laughs> okay. <laughs> the whole group, yeah. the whole group. I mean, you go down the list. Munoz had 30 innings to his name before this season started. He just didn't have a huge track record. And, you know, early in the season, he gave up the homer to Buxton, and everyone's like, see, you can't do that. And then he just said, no, I'm literally the best reliever in baseball. Uh, Penn Murphy was not on anybody's radar. He wasn't a prospect. He wasn't even invited to camp. He's had an outrageously good season. Swanee, Brash coming back as a reliever. Fest, all, I mean, all these guys. All these guys have pitched so well. It's uh, It's been pretty impressive to watch. I've asked a bunch of guys if you could take one pitch from one other person in the bullpen and put it into your own repertoire, what would it be? Uh, to have Munoz's fastball, that would be pretty nice. It would be nice to just reach for 103. That would probably be, if I could pick one, that's probably the one I would reach for. How would you describe his demeanor on the mound? Uh, his demeanor is very calm, but that's just who he is. He's just very calm. He doesn't get too animated, too crazy or anything. Doesn't get doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low based off of his outings. And, you know, there's been a lot of highs and not that many lows, and he could have gotten carried away, and he just goes to work every day. You guys had a great piece on the Mariners PR blog the other day. Adam talked to all of you about putting up a defense built mainly of relievers. Did yeah. they get it right? I think they got it right for the most part. I think it was good right. You know, I think Munoz got to play a little bit of the – of a position I thought his ankles bothering him he probably shouldn't be playing and I don't want him to be playing any positions <laughs> other than just stay at first base uh, but I thought they pretty, got it pretty good for the most part okay last question there's another game that uh, kids like to play dodgeball yep. who would be your top five choices not just from the bullpen but okay. maybe from the entire team okay. if you were picking dodgeball teams Munoz number one <laughs> Cal obviously you're chucking all the way to second base I think he could probably get a pretty good dodgeball throw Geno's throws from third to first. Um, and then I'll probably go with Robbie. Robbie and we'll go Brash. I'm going to take Haggerty and beat all of you. <laughs> Haggerty, Haggerty, I forgot the, the part of dodging the balls, not just throwing the balls. I'm sure he could find a way to be the last guy out there. All right. We'll let you try this again sometime, Paul. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate it.